Welcome to the Dr. Dion Show, where real conversations about diversity matter. I'm an educator and consultant specializing in diversity and inclusion. In this show, I interview top experts and people like you and me, highlighting issues like race, gender, and disability. I'm here to create change, expand your understanding of what diversity means, and to continue the mission toward equality so that everyone has a fair shake. This show is not for the faint of heart, so put on your big girl and big boy pants and ride along. And welcome to the Dr. Dion Show. I'm excited. Today I'm joined by actually one of my dearest friends. We've known each other for quite some time. And um, in, in exploring the topic to discuss today for the show, we talked about his height. Uh, my friend, Lavon Mercer, is actually 6'10". And we're going to talk about his experience with athletics. He played in the NBA. He played at University of Georgia. He is a successful businessman. Um, you know, the, the list goes on, and he's also amazing. So I wanted to talk about height bias, probably for the first time. I've, ever, I've never seen someone talk about height bias before. But anyway, welcome, Levon. Good morning. How are you doing today? I am great. Always great to see you. You as well, young lady. You as well. Oh, you called me young. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so let's get started. So, as I said just now, we, we, we were kind of exploring a topic, and, and there are so many different things we can talk about because uh, you, you played basketball overseas in yeah. Israel, yeah, and, and yeah. at that point, you actually became immersed into the culture. Absolutely. And to this day, you actually still identify um, with, with Jewish traditions and also Christian traditions. Can you, can you share that a little bit before we get into the height discussion? Yeah, um, actually, um, it probably started a long time ago. Uh, my, the one that I consider father, father was my grandfather. He's the one that actually raised me more than any, any male I can ever think of. But um, he was a Baptist minister. So in the fact of him being that Baptist minister, he was able to enlighten me with different things of life. Uh, as a Baptist minister, he brought a lot of things to the table from the Old Testament as well as the New. So he always had me on this path of understanding really who I was spiritually um, as a child, as an adult, and I still weigh on that today. Okay, that's great. So, so when you encounter people, so we, again, we, we met sometimes years ago, we, let, we worked together at a university. And so how do people respond when you, when you, when you, when you share that, you know what, you, you identify with, with both Christian and also... Um... Uh, I have a more difficult time with uh, Christians than some of the Jews that I, um, I associate with or I, um, you know, may attend the synagogue. You know, I travel and speak on behalf of the state of Israel. At least I used to do a lot more of it. I'm not doing as much now. Uh, but I'm, I'm in... I'm sort of engulfed in what I had to live through as being, you know, a um, black male in the Israeli army at the time. There were no Ethiopians in the country. So, you know, one, for me to even go into the army, you know, they had to make a uniform for me because there weren't many people walking around with, you know, Israelis walking around 6'10", you know, 280 pounds or 260 pounds. To, to find the uniform for them. So most of the things I've done, they were made for me. And, you know, it may tie into some of the other stuff you said, because people look at people my size and they forget 
the the basics of what you may have to deal with in life on a daily basis. But um, back to what I was saying, you know, most of the Jewish people really accept me. Um, they have tr had me speak at a lot of different locations. And, you know, that's one of the other things I do. If they ask me, I go speak. That's awesome. Okay, so it's, it's one thing to visit a country and to, you play basketball in Israel, but it's another thing to join their army. What, what motivated, you to, motivated you to do that? Well, it's, it's not something that I just, you know, jumped over joy about going to do. But, you know, I was living in Israel. I lived in Israel for 15 years. But one of the things they do is they bring you to the country. So in bringing me to the country, it's the simple fact that, um, as my father used to say, you got to have skin in the game. So their skin in the game is everybody goes into the army. I don't care, male, female, you're here because you love being here. This is your homeland. You're going to be here to defend, you know, the country if something happens, which, you know, I'm an Israeli citizen as well. So it made me feel comfortable to go into the military. You know, I go through the same basic trainings as everybody else. I wasn't one of the elite fighters. But there are things, you know, I had my 12 o'clock at night, you know, break a M16 down, put it back together in the dark, making sure you got all your pieces, you know, you practiced, um, you even learned, um, you know, different things about how they defend themselves. Mm -hmm. and that's one of the things I look at um, with a lot of Americans, they will talk about, you know, some things with the Palestinians. But if you really look at Israel for where it's located, they have one choice, defend themselves or go into the sea. And that's one thing they're not going to do. So they're not going to sit and allow you to attack them and then they retaliate. They're going to deal with the problem and it's done. It's not, we don't, uh, and I'm going to say we, we don't have time for you to decide if you're going to attack us. It's gonna, you're going to get what you ask for. So it's just, it's, it's human nature to want to defend yourself if somebody comes and wants to. Right. Yes. Right. So, and that's, that's a whole other conversation. Um, and I appreciate you sharing that. So let's, let's fast forward to you being in the U.S. And so you and I, uh, again, we've been friends for a long time and we go out and we go have drinks or we go have food. And every time we go out, there's always somebody who either comes up to you and says, hey man, how you doing? They don't know you. They're just saying hello. Um, they're, they're looking at you. They're captivated. Um, it just, I, I, what is it like to be you? To, to be 6'10", to move through the world, and you're a big guy. So how, how, what is that like? One, as someone my size, you learn to accept people for who they are. Uh, I don't have anything negative to say when someone comes up to me. I'm always going to be open and positive. And, you know, you get the occasional, you know, I hate to say it, knucklehead is going to say something that's out of the way. Like what? Um, I couldn't even give you uh, a real comment. I mean, the simple thing that most, most people say is, how's the weather up there? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, and, yeah. and see, I'm just the opposite. So when they say something like that, you know, because I know it's a a form of an introduction in a sense. And so my comment to them would be, now I know you're a very intelligent person. You could come up with something better than that. So let's see if you can do a little bit better. Then it, it sort of throws them off because 
you know, now he's making me have to think. It's not that he's just playing with me. He's making me think. Good for you. And so, um, we, you know, usually what happens is I either make a friend or I'll do something where an individual feels, you know, I was a smart bud or whatever. But, you know, guys my size, and most people don't realize it, there are a lot of tall people. Most of us have played basketball. Some of us did not. So there it is. But uh, most of the guys that have played basketball, we don't have a problem with people coming up to us and, you know, cracking a joke, having fun with us. Because we just brush it off because, you know, from, you know, sitting in a stadium where there's 20,000 people or 15,000 people, we don't even pay you any attention half the time. Yeah. If, if it's not somebody I want to get to know, you know, you're just somebody that I'm going to speak to, enjoy your my time with you for that few minutes, and I'm going to continue on in life. Mm-hmm. Good for you. I love that. So I have to ask you, though, so, so you're 6'10", so you, you literally, when you're moving through either a mall or a restaurant somewhere, you're, like, literally looking above people's heads at times. Like, you can't even see people's faces. So I'm, I'm just trying to get your perspective. What, what? You, know, no, you, you have to understand now, I could find you in a crowd and I, you know, wherever you're at, just, just looking over everybody, I don't have a problem with that. Um, when I'm walking through a mall, which is something I don't usually do because why would somebody my size really walk through a mall? The truth of the matter is, there's nothing a mall can do for me. I can't buy shoes. I can't buy shirts. I can't buy pants. 90% of the guys that we, you know, that are my size, we either have somebody that makes our clothes, we either purchase from someone from Taiwan or whatever, or the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Uh, we may have an Italian designer, or we go to the big and tall men. So they'll go up to somebody about six, seven, but somebody my size, uh, besides a couple of pair of jeans, most of the things have to be made. Shirts, because, you know, you got a 90-inch wingspan. How many people, wow. uh, what kind of shirt are you going to buy at a store? So, LeVon, that sounds expensive. It gets to be, um, over the years of life, you find certain people that are your tailors. So, for instance, I have one gentleman that will make a suit for me. He comes into the country once a year. Uh, well, no, actually, he comes in twice. He comes in uh, to the country twice a year. Uh, I'll meet with him in Atlanta. He will measure me, see if I've gained weight, lost weight, whatever. He takes my measurements. I purchase what material I want uh, for him to make the suit out of. He send me the suit. I put the suit on. I'm good. Uh, wow. It, it, it's, put it like this. I'm not going to find a $200 suit. You know, I love these commercials where, you know, you can buy two suits for one. That's not going to be in my budget. So, <laughs> so, so, so it's pretty costly then, obviously. It, 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 costs, it costs to try to look halfway decent. And this person who flies in from overseas, they, they must have multiple clients. So, so you're one of the clients? Well, yeah, I'm one of the clients. Okay. Um, he'll come in. He stops in New York, uh, North Carolina, Atlanta, and he goes to Miami. Um, he also would come back. He, he usually does Atlanta twice. Uh, then he'd come back and he may do Houston, Atlanta, uh, LA, and he has different clients. You know, some of them are just business owners. Some of them are former athletes. Some of them, you know, just people that he's met that, you know, he'll make a suit for them, but he does things of that nature. Oh, 
very fascinating. So, so you're sh you're sharing, uh, I guess, uh, uh, a drawback to to being tall. Can you can you describe anything else? Any other any other things that you think? Well, think uh, about like, you know, just you know, just looking at just basic an individual that's six ten. Most of our ceilings in our homes are ten foot ceilings. Because you, if a nine foot, really nine foot, you know, it's it's really close to your head, so you don't have a ceiling fan. Um, then wow. you, you know, you don't think about it, but then think about a car. I would love to have a nice Acura. I can climb into my Acura and just just drive off and be comfortable. That ain't gonna happen. So basically, you know, uh, Dodge Rams, Suburbans, things of that nature. We shop for something that is of some size. Um, most of the guys I know do not just go and get a basic car because you can't fit in it. So in a sense, sometimes people consider it a handicap. I just look at it as, you know, a blessing that, um, this, that I was able to use this height for my advantage. You know, it, it gave me a, a way out of a very difficult situation. What difficult situation was that? Uh, let's see how to put that. Um, grandparents raised me. And you grew up in South Georgia? Uh, from South Georgia, grandparents raised me. Coming up, I was, in a sense, I was homeless for a short period of time, and then another family took me in. Um, you, you know, it's just, just, it just brought me out. Basketball was really a savior to me. That's, you know, I look at, you know, LeBron James, and I know his background and his history. And you look at people like him and say, well, you know, if it wasn't for sports, but just because sports gave us an opportunity to step out, you know, even with Shaquille O'Neal, it gave us a way out. But what you try to do with it afterwards, you know, you got to continue on in life. You know, some people are, get caught up in negative stuff. Yeah. Uh, most of the guys that have played, we try not to do the negative side of it. Everybody's trying to stay positive, trying to help with another child that may be coming behind them to enhance that individual. So we're consistently helping other youth. Yes. Somebody else was there for us. So we have to, you know, basically give back. And so that was my little, and that's like you said, that may be another story there but um yeah it was quite difficult my first job was mopping floors for the school i went to so i could put money in my pocket so wow. you know i've done things to survive that most people look at that they won't do and i'm like yeah it's part of life you just got to keep doing what you got to do yeah and, and, and i love that and i love your story because a lot of people assume uh, that because you get a scholarship or because you get to and the, the mba and or so on that it was an easy journey for you. And, oh, you're tall, so you, you, of course you're going to be. But, but, okay, okay. That, that goes okay, let me ask you something. Uh, and I'm going I'm to I'm ask you a question. In, you know, because I know your background and your history. What actually is a scholarship? Somebody actually is paying you to produce something that you're already doing, and they say that they're giving you this to go to college. In actuality, you're selling your talent to be at that location for a period of time. They are making money off of you, regardless of whatever happens, because you got television revenue, you got these students that are there. But if I wanted to give a guy at the University of Georgia, 
a pair of shoes because I'm a former player by the NCAA rules, that's illegal. It is, yes. <laughs> Which is, yeah. So how is it that this student can be at school? He, he's not supposed to work. You can't give him anything, but you get $1.2 million a year for revenue just off of the program, but you're not helping well, there's, a, there's an argument for that because the, the, the people say, oh, they're getting an education. And, and both of us were scholarship athletes. So I, so I will share, um, and, and it's probably radical, but I really think that, that they should be compensated. I remember I got my full ride to Rice University. I'm very grateful. It, it, it literally just changed my life. Okay. Um, and, and I worked damn hard for that for, for every year I was there. Um, but I was also on the national team. I was, I was a carded athlete, meaning that I was getting money from the government to, to help support and facilitate my training. And the minute that I got that scholarship, I had to get rid of it. I couldn't. Right. I, couldn't I could no longer accept it right. from Canada because, because, um, because that's against NCAA rules. But so, so to your point, in comparison to what the NCAA makes versus what the student gets, of course, there's there's no value on education. But I could have still used that money because that they basically negated the fact that my parents were, were, were these affluent people and I could have used that money. So I, I, I definitely identify and understand your, your point. And, and it's, it's, it's unfortunate that a lot of the, the, these organizations and schools are making a lot of money off of these athletes. And, okay. and, and I really think it should be maybe a case by case basis, maybe finding out, okay, what is, what is your actual need? Because, you know, even though you get a scholarship, there's still maybe hardships because you're paying for flights home. I was I was in Texas. I had to, I had to fly back uh, Christmas and and, and and summertime. Absolutely. And over time, you know, things got a little better um, because of my parents' conditions. But of course, it was challenging. Right. So and it's the same thing for somebody being that height the rest of their lives. You still have to try to find jobs or whatever that you're going to fit in. Um, you know, you hope all athletes get an education. You really do. But that's another thing that is not measured by the height of your exterior is your mental capabilities. So, yes, you have a lot of positive athletes that have done quite well. And you want to, you know, shine the light on them, but you also have to shine the light on the individuals that were not, as fortunate. Mm -hmm. um, uh, years ago, I did a program with uh, with Magic Johnson uh, that we were, you know, we we did something together. And I got to, well, I've known him for years, but it was something that most people wouldn't think about, and I can't share it with you because I have to have, probably have his permission about it. But it it was really interesting to see how he felt about doing it. It was really just such an overwhelming, positive venture. And, I, you know, I hope to get back into doing some stuff with him. But uh, it's been an interesting little career life mm -hmm. uh, for, for all of the guys that actually have played sports and where they're at now in life and where they're trying to go. Because yep. all of us have challenges just like anybody else in life. Yes. I was maybe a little bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> you just so you just you just said finding jobs, um, where you can fit in. Let's talk about fitting in because through my research with this show, um, you know, there's some things that, that there's some benefits to being shorter. So there's uh, you know, you 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 eat less food. 
Um, you um, you can hide easily, or you can just be inconspicuous when you when you want to be. And mm -hmm. a big thing that, that 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 I noticed too was was the fact that you you the shorter you are, the less of a threat you are. So mm -hmm. how 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 do you respond to people who might be put off by your height? And I and and I'll, I'll and I'll also add that you're also black. You're a black man, and we know. And I can't we can't talk about this without the context of society which kind of demonizes black men to begin with so right. to couple that with your height how do you handle that um one because i guess you would have to say i'm a loner but let's let's you know since she brought that one up uh, a long time ago i knew this individual and i think you you may remember who i'm talking about but i will not mention names and they worked with the RS. and I was having dinner one night with her and a couple of colleagues. And one of the colleagues said this to me, I can shoot you and they would never say anything about it because of your size. Wow. I never thought about that until that moment. I never really, it never, it never really crossed my mind because, you know, I'm pretty much a happy-go-lucky type person, blah, blah, blah. But with all of the racial bias and, I, you know, no matter what anyone says, it's in the police department just as well as it's in the supermarket. So let's, let's all get over all of that. That's, that. You know, sometimes in life you learn to face fast. Mm -hmm. So you, 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 you pick your moments and how you react. You know, um, I had a student one time when I was working with um, a gentleman and this, this little boy, he, he, we were trying to prevent him from the gang situation and things of that nature. So, so he tells me, he says, you know, you know, you don't know me, you're working, you know, you were just trying to help, but you got to always understand I'm always strapped. So my question to this young man was, I understood exactly what you said. I understand exactly what you're saying. But let me ask you something. Do you think that when you purchased yours, that the mold was thrown away? Do you realize how difficult it is to point a, a pistol at somebody and just pull the trigger? Now, a little differently, I had some military training. So I know what it'll do. Mm -hmm. I know, you know, I know how the, the blowback would be. I know all of this. So sometimes you have to let people know you, you're going to protect yourself too. Because see, you got to understand now, you, you're just assuming you're just going to, he's big, I'm just going to shoot him. But are you willing to get shot? That's a big question. Oh, oh so that student actually gave you a veiled threat pretty much. Basically. Basically. Okay. okay, so you let them know what time it is. Right. Are you willing to get, are you willing to take one? Mm -hmm. and so it's a different story when people realize, you know, um, are you willing to take one? You know, it's, uh, police can get out, they can shoot somebody. But what happens if somebody shoot back at them? And I know this is not the, the best thing to say, but if you're just firing at somebody and all of a sudden they start sh shooting back, and they, did, they didn't have a gun or they ran in the house or you just kept shooting. And they grabbed one and started firing back. It, who's in the wrong? I didn't, I didn't attack you. You started shooting. But I found this gun or I grabbed this gun. I started shooting back. Are we both in the wrong? 
But isn't that not self, that's self-defense, isn't it? That, that should be, but not if you're shooting back at an officer or if you're shooting oh, at- an officer, oh. Ooh. Yeah, if, or if you're shooting back at somebody else. It's, it, it should be self-defense either way. <laughs> if and, I'm not, unless, unless you're a criminal, you do something wrong. Like if you do something well, wrong and you're being pursued by the police, then you, you're- But if you're you or, or if you shoot, or if you're, if you're running, shouldn't you run and catch him? Don't you have billy sticks where sometimes you don't have to shoot to kill. Sometimes you can shoot to injure. That is, that is true. That, again, that's a whole, <laughs> a whole other topic. A whole other topic. And, 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 and I, I'm with you. Uh, I understand. I oh, my understand. gosh. Levon, you're, you're opening up a few can of worms here. <laughs> but, I, but, I, but one caveat, I will say that, you know, that I think what, what we're saying is <laughs> do the right thing. Regardless, and, and try, try and stay on the right side of the law so you don't have to have those kind of con uh, contact with the police. Although sometimes you are doing the right thing and you still get contact, but, but nonetheless, you know, it's a, it, again, it's, 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 a, it's a scary time right now, for sure. And I've seen this on other shows, for sure. So, um, so, so it sounds like people kind of accept, uh, look at you from kind of the extreme. Either you're, you're looked at as a threat or you're looked at as, oh, this big jovial guy I can go joke around with and, and um, just have fun with. Uh, sometimes, uh, like I said, you always have, you know, that, that little section in the middle where they can't make up their mind on how they should behave or how they should treat you. So you as an individual, or me as an individual, I have to also be leery of different people. Um, and as, and as you know me, I'm not, I'm not an outgoing, I don't be at a, I'm not going to no clubs. Uh, the biggest club I go to is something jazz where I can just sit out and relax. Yeah. I don't do the, 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 the bar stuff too much, you know, because it's just, you just got to get to a point in life where you're comfortable in your own skin. And yeah. I think I'm quite comfortable in Levon's skin. Well, well, one thing that I noticed you do when we're out in public is that you, you, you say to everybody, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing? And you, and you literally dis disarm people. It's, it's interesting to watch people because they're looking at you and you just kind of dis disarm them by saying, how you doing? And then, mm -hmm. and then, and then I've never seen anything adverse be between you and anybody in the public, but, um, uh, but it's always turned out to be some kind of pleasant conversation. Yeah. Well, you know, um, very, you walk in, I'm 6'10 and I'm this size. You walk in and you, the person turns and looks at me. You know their mind is racing like, oh my God, he's so big. So by by just opening up and saying, hey, what's going on? What's good? Like if you and I, because you and I go to dinner, so like, well, is that good? Is that that might be something I want to. Order. And the next thing you know, they're talking to you. Mm -hmm. They're relaxed. Every and everybody there has a nice meal. So sometimes you have to break the ice and. Um, I had one incident a long time ago in my life where it was another individual that was about my height. And I just had, you know, for some reason, you know, he was, I think he was a little bit taller than me or whatever. And I just asked him what his height, man, don't worry about my height. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. And I was like, you not, you need to find who you are inside. And I said it to him, you know, you know, you always going to get talked to or asked that. So you might want to get used to it. Where this guy is, I have no idea. But with that kind of attitude, you're always going to have a sad life because you can't be happy because you're always on the defense. I don't, don't talk to me. Don't, why? That's right. Open up, 
let people in. You'd be surprised who could help you, who'd be on your side. But, you know, that's, hey, welcome to the real world. Yes. And, and, I, and I love that. And I love that message. And we, we discuss this kind of stuff, um, you know, forever. And it's a matter of just getting beyond your biases. Uh, and also kind of facilitating other people to recognize, you know what, <laughs> you have you have a preconceived notion about, about you or about me, but it's yeah. a matter of, okay, just deciphering who's who, um, yeah. smiling, saying hello, always breaks the ice. And then once you do that, then you know who people are and just keep it moving. That's yeah. all, that's basically what you can do because you're not going to change who you are as a person. I'm not going to change who I am. And sometimes in life, you'll find out without a measured amount of time with an individual, you're not going to change them. That's right. So sometimes it's better to just soothe a person instead of trying to change a person. Mm -hmm. Make them feel comfortable while you are in their presence and you move on because you're not going to change them because um, it's sort of like our educational system. You're with this, this student in college for the four years they're there or in schools, high school, elementary, whatever, for the time they're there. But once that's over with, that child goes out every day back into an environment where he's fighting to survive. So whatever you try to change during that time is only you know, changeable for that eight hours, and that child may respect you, but you don't know what he has to deal with once he walks out. And, and that's, that's where the problem in education lies. And the other thing is too, when you, you know, the, the, the goal as an educator is obviously to present, present the information. And mm -hmm. some kids will get it on the spot, others will just, they won't get it. And it's, it's like, you know, in, in my trainings, for example, like the, the goal is not to indoctrinate, the goal is to present information, um, present theory, a different perspective, a different way of, of thinking, and that person either will accept it or not. And sometimes mm -hmm. people get it on the spot, Sometimes people get it maybe five years down the road. I've had people circle back five years later and say, oh my goodness, now I know, now I know what you're talking about because they had an experience no. to validate what I was saying. Yeah. So, right. so, so again, it's, it, I, I, I like your, 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 your word, soothe, or, or, um, because it's just, you've you, you got to just keep moving and just not be, just get mired in the, in the negativity and, and, and get pulled into nonsense because had you, so I'm, I'm glad you're, when you, you made that response to, to, that, to that gentleman who said, oh, don't worry about my height. Like that's mm. just really, that's odd. <laughs> That's a, you know, a very those, expensive kind of topic. You know, and I don't even think, you know, there's, I, I tell uh, people when I'm out sometimes, I'll ask them, what, did you run track or did you play football? Oh, I played football. How'd you know? Well, athletes walk a certain way. Yep. And most people don't realize it, but it's a, tra you know, it's, it's something that is a trained step, I guess I would say. Mm -hmm. And they walk a certain way. And, you know, like back to this gentleman, I knew he wasn't an athlete. I just want to know what his height was. So most athletes are not that bitter. <laughs> if, you, if you're that bitter, you have no joy in life. So that means you just, you know, like some people say, well, he's just, he maybe have been depressed. Get over it. Life is not going to wait for your depression to finish. You got to deal with the rest of us on a daily basis. Get yes. over. Yes. And, 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 and if you can't do it by yourself, then find some help and, to deal with it. Yeah, yeah, find some help. Find some help. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm loving this conversation. And I think, I think the takeaways are just, you know, to, 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 to um, 
to not get offended. For example, what, what, you, what you said about when people come to you, mm -hmm. like you don't get offended, you, you educate or you soothe, which I, which I love. Mm -hmm. and, and just also being comfortable in your skin. That's, that's, that's something oh, to be yeah. said about being comfortable in your skin because that's, what, that's how you were made. That's how God made you or whoever want, you can say God or, what, or whatever um, higher source you, you call it. But nonetheless, you're made that way for a reason. So, so to not to kind of re, to reject that, um, you, you're kind of setting yourself up, and, and really, you're not. How are you going to be fulfilled if you're if, you, if you're rejecting who you are in your essence and how you're made? Agreed. You, you, I, I do agree with you, and most people do not understand that. You know, life is. Most people feel like life should just be so smooth. Life is ups and downs. Absolutely. And. You know, even at your high spot, don't get too carried away thinking you so somebody so special, because see, there will be a bottom at some point. Right. And remember now, you came in, you know, that might have been the high point to start off mom and dad with the happiest in the world. Then there was a bottom for you. Then you know, each cycle there's a bottom and a high. Because yes. you don't go out on a low note because you ain't seen nobody get out of this place alive. So <laughs> <laughs> you you right. going to leave, you know, you know, whatever you want to say in a box or whatever, you but you're going. Yes. You take that inner spirit and you share it with someone and make them happy and leave part of you on this earth that you can help somebody else to grow. If you're not helping nobody else grow, then you know. You're just a dead plant. Mm-hmm. I love that. Well said, Mr. Mercer. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just serious about that, you know. So, I love that. So where can people find you? You, you, you mentioned that you do, you do speaking engagements. Anyone can email me at levon.broker at gmail.com. Or, you know, they're free to call me or text me at um, 404 yeah, you know, if they want to. I love talking to people. Okay, good. Go ahead. Sorry. 404-693-4162. And uh, you can text me there as well. Uh, enjoyed the conversation with you. I hope we both got something out of it. Oh, of course. Definitely. Well, I always do with you. I just wanted to make sure you got <laughs> <laughs> You're so silly. You're so kind. Absolutely. We've been, okay, there's no way we're friends for, for, for over, well over a decade, and, and if we can't have oh, an exchange of, of the intellect. But, but look at all of this. Remember, I didn't have this when I met you. Oh, and, and I was about 20 pounds lighter. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not judging you, and you're not judging me. Not at all. Not and that's, at what, all. that's what friendship is. There it is. There it is. But, uh, well, I'm so glad that you came on today. It's always great to see you. And I'll, I'll look back, I look forward to seeing you in Atlanta pretty soon. Well, I look forward to having lunch myself, okay? <laughs> may, may the Father shine on you, whoever you look up to and guide you for the rest of your life to everybody out there. Thank you so much. What a wonderful interview. Thanks so much, LaVon. Thank you. You're welcome, dear. Love Bye. you, darling. Bye-bye.